0: The football show on Off the Ball
1: with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to, and I can't to do anything I can to play, 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 play again.
0: Do it then. What about your start to the game? Oh, I was not bad, was it? <sighs> Why should it an honest answer be a mistake?
1: How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. It is Thursday's Football Show, Nathan with you this evening. We are in the midst of the international window, Nations League on tonight. Spain 1-0 up against Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't start that game for Portugal. A couple of other scorelines to keep an eye on. Norway 1-0 up at Serbia, who've qualified for the World Cup. Sweden 1-0 up against Slovenia. And Northern Ireland 1-0 down at home in their game against Greece. There's around an hour gone at Windsor Park. Uh, Northern Ireland, who like the Republic of Ireland, are one of the few teams never to have won a game in the Nations League we hope that will change for the Republic of Ireland on Saturday their in-year event to take on Armenia and we'll have full live commentary of that game on Saturdays off the ball myself and Vinnie Perth will be on commentary it's a 2 o'clock kickoff. build-up from 1 o'clock with John and we'll have all the post-match analysis as well of course this is the first of four fixtures taking place over the next couple of weeks 53106 as always is the text number Now Paul McShane this week Announced that he is Stepping away from playing completely He's been with Manchester United With their under 23 side As a player coach over the last year But he's stepping away From the playing side of it A brilliant career 33 caps with the Republic of Ireland Over 400 senior appearances Across English football And delight that Paul is with us this evening Evening Paul Hi Nathan How are you keeping?
0: Yeah, not too bad, you. Uh,
1: all that hanging around with the under-23s. Can only do so much of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm knackered, to be honest <laughs> with you, Nathan. Now, um, yeah, they're, they're getting sharper as, as time goes on. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. But uh, I think I think that role only has a, a short shelf life. Can
1: you explain to us how it came about? and, and Because when people see Paul McShane playing with an under-23 side, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense.
0: Well, I was I was doing a bit of coaching in at the club um, at the beginning of last season, and then um, I was I was like with the 14s and 16s just to have a look. And um, I was with uh, Travis Binion, and then um, a head of coaching came in, Justin Cochran, and he heard that I was I was uh, in the building, so he he basically asked me yeah, uh, what I fancied the all, and I said yeah. And uh, see, the under 23s work. You can you can play. I think it's three or four players that are over 23 so you could sort of get around the rule that way so when i played the games you know i could i could um you know coach during the games and help the younger players so that's how we that's how you sort of get around that i know it's a bit strange <laughs> seeing a 36 year old lining up for a 23s team but yeah that that's how it worked really uh,
1: is it something that manchester united would have done before is it something when you were playing matches you would have been coming up with other players who were at a, a different stage of their
0: career um, no, well, it was the first time that uh, Man United done done this this role, this hybrid role. Um, but I think they're trying to get back to the to the old days of um, you know like the old reserve days. Mm. You would you would play with, with much senior players than you, and there'd be a lot of um, people in and around the first team that weren't getting regular football. would come down for some games, so you would get the seniority uh, that way. But in the under 23s games, um, that's that's missing a little bit. So. I think they wanted to bring a little bit more, more of that back.
1: That hybrid role you talk about on the pitch, like, can you talk me through how that actually works? Like, Would I be insane to suggest that if you're playing at centre-back... And you're in the middle of a game and you're playing an offside trap that you might decide, you know what, I'm just gonna step back a couple of yards here and play these guys onside and see how my three other defenders respond for an in game setting. Or at times you're you're almost creating issues for your fellow defenders to test them.
0: Yeah, any any time that I made a mistake, it was always <laughs> <a> test <laughs> <laughs> I was always testing the lads, you know. Um I don't know I would um Initially, when I when I first started, I was um I was basically just uh, training the way I'd normally train and play the way I'd normally play, where I'd be quite vocal and um yeah I I talk a lot um you know helping helping like uh, my defenders help my midfielders just are getting just mo- mo- motivation talk um but then um, it got to a point where I'm thinking I can't be the only one speaking here so. I would basically encourage especially my, my my other center back I would actually ask him questions of right you tell me where to be on this on this um say wide free kick or um how like I'd be saying how's my line and stuff and I'm going to take my line off you now for a few minutes and all that sort of stuff so I am um, i got I grew into the role a little bit more where I started to ask them more questions instead of me just speaking all the time because that sort of defeats the purpose of the role.
1: Under-23s football, there's often question marks about its benefit and how near to men's football it is. Because you can watch under-23s football, particularly at the standard of Manchester United and Liverpool and Chelsea, and the very best teams, and the quality of football is insane. It's so, so high, and the speed and the technical ability yet it doesn't feel like there's those sort of crunching tackles there's not, not as much at stake do, how would you say it is as a learning environment for real good quality young players in comparison to say going out on loan to Championship or League One
0: um, well it, it gets to a point where you, you do you have to you have to go out on loan then um, I think if you're getting into the 21-22 mark you you know it's, it's, it's not going to really help you that much but when the lads come come um, through when they finish with the under 18s and they step up to the under 23s it can't help them you know but it does it does sort of it doesn't really have that that feel of like uh, the league the league games there's a lot of it's focused on a lot of um, sort of ideal football where you know we will play out from the back from from every, every given opportunity from every goal kick but then if lads then go out on loan into the leagues it's like push up to the halfway line and pick up the second balls you know it's that sort of pressure of of getting three points uh, every week that's uh, that's missing and sometimes it can be a bit of a just a bit of a dead atmosphere in the games but um you know that's where I would try and if when I was playing I would try and sort of I try and drive the intensity of the game and drive the intensity of the players because some games can be a little bit boring and a little bit sort of you know you have the ball then we'll have the ball and um, sometimes you're missing that real real f- football aspect
1: I'm sure there's still a turn of pace there at 36 even but when you look back on the games you played this season is there any players you came up against who particularly stood out who particularly gave you a difficult time
0: uh, ma- mainly in training to be honest with you right. because I was, I was I was training I was training most days um, well I couldn't you know I couldn't train every day you know Some, sometimes the lads would train you know 6-7 days on the bounce but you know, I think i will probably be now maybe four four max um at this stage. But um yeah, there's some some really, really good players coming through the through the system. You know, I trained I trained a few times with the under eighteens, trained the majority of the time with the 23s, um, coached the under sixteen, so um and the fifteen. So there's really some good talent coming right. through um the, the club itself, but when I think about the players that I played against um this season, um Oh, I wouldn't even know their names to be honest with you. I was just trying to survive myself on the pitch. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you, but you know, it's. Um, I would say that the lads in 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 the United ranks are, you know, they, they they've got a hell of a chance.
1: Yeah. Uh, so now that you've stepped away from the playing side, is the intention to stay at Manchester United in a coaching capacity? Um, yeah,
0: it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna be involved in the the PDP. Um, which is the professional development phase. So it's like the under twenty threes and under eighteens. So I'll be um assistant, assistant coach through through them ages and then going down into the sixteens. So that's as it stands at the minute. But you know, there's there's been a bit of a reshuffle in the in the academy. There's been a few people that have left. So um, you know, maybe things will change in the next couple of weeks, but that's how the role got put yeah. to me um, at the end of the season. So we'll see we'll see what, what the next few weeks bring. But I'll be yeah, I'll be continuing my uh, my coaching uh, at United here. So, you know, it's great that I can, you know, step straight into that.
1: What an opportunity. I know people look at Manchester United at the moment and the first team and the struggles that have been there. And as you say, it does seem like it's a time of flux. There's a lot of changes going on, both with the first team and behind the scenes. But to get to work with some of the best young players in world football, and United, while I'm sure they're competing with City and Chelsea and Liverpool for the pick of those players, a lot of them still end up, I'm sure, at Carrington. To get to work with those sort of talents at, at the start of your coaching journey must be incredibly exciting.
0: Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, this season's been, you know, it's been, it's been a great experience. Um, and as you said, the the talent is 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 frightening. To be honest with you, you know I I learnt a few things off the, off the lads at times, but it was um you know the as I said from from right right down to the under 14s. You know I've I've only seen down to the under 14s, but the the talent coming through is you know it's pretty it's pretty exciting to be honest. And um, yeah, I just you know I'm looking forward to the start of pre season and getting really getting stuck into the into the coaching and basically see, see where it takes me and hopefully I can I can help the lads along the way
1: in terms of the business model for coaches working with the underage team. Obviously the intention is that some of these progress and become established first team players. They're the next Marcus Rashford and, you know, become a very valuable commodity. It, there's also then a level below that of players who can go and have a hugely successful career elsewhere, as you did yourself uh, when it came to Manchester United and leaving. Is that is that something that that is spoken about of, you know, we need actually not just players for our first team but players who who are valuable to the club and can bring in fees from other teams in the Premier League or from the Championship.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely you know it's um it's only a very very small percentage that actually get into Manchester United's first team. So basically with, with all the lads we're we're basically trying to get them a job at the end of the their time at Man United. So whether whatever level that is at um you want to well you want to try and get them to play at the highest level, but I think that was um you know, one of the reasons um, they 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 wanted to bring me in because I I left United at a young age and I went on to to make a to make a half decent career for myself. So I think, um, you know, it was a bit of an example to the lads where you sort of go, look, you know, if you don't make it at Manchester United, it's not it's not it's not the end of the world. You cannot you can you can go on and and um, you know make a good career for yourself. So um, you know that's definitely got to be that's got to be the message to the young lads because. I think at times it's it's such a disappointment to leave Manchester United that some some mm. lads don't recover from it, so they they have to see the bigger picture and realise that you know it's a really really small number to actually get into the into the Manchester United first team, and um, so yeah, it's just trying to get the lads jobs at the end of the day.
1: I think it's twenty years ago this summer that you first went to United and signed for Manchester United. When you look at that setup now for sixteen seventeen year olds coming over how different is it from the united you arrived at
0: um yeah it's 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 yeah it's very different um you know when i when not when i was there it was uh you know we had one we had one under seventeens coach and we had a one physio uh, under nineteens we ha- had the same reserves the same but you know in the under twenty trees alone including myself there was like maybe four coaches and um, there was like two or three physios and um, you know two or three sports scientists so it's it's mad like it's mad that the, the stuff that's involved in, in the academy the work that's put into it and um, you know the lads have a great opportunity to to really um, to really learn off, the, off all the coaches that are to their, to their disposal and they've got um, some great resources at United so um, you know they've got they've got to make the most of it to 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 get themselves a career, but that that'll be the big difference that that I noticed coming back.
1: So you went to United in the summer of two thousand and two. Uh, we've obviously done a lot of anniversaries lately of uh, something that happened twenty years ago. So you arrived at United straight after Saipan. I, yeah. hate, I hate to do it, but yeah, did you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> did anybody
1: did anybody around there care what had happened at Saipan?
0: Um, well, you know, the, I don't know, you know, well, it's, it's the, it was a big thing in Ireland, wasn't it? And um, you know, uh, just a bit. Yeah, it was a big thing uh, back home, but um, yeah, over here, the, yeah, it was, it was. I don't know, I was sixteen at the time. I was like a rabbit in headlights, to be honest with you, coming over. Yeah. you know, you know, it was just, I was coming into Manchester United and I was seeing me, me heroes walking around uh, beside me. So it was uh, quite a lot to take in, but. Um, I remember meeting Roy Roy when um, it was I don't know my first week or so so that was quite a surreal moment obviously seeing all the the stuff that went on back home but you know I wasn't going to ask him <laughs> about anything What on, happened? Why, why didn't you stay Roy? yeah day so, one uh, yeah so yeah t- you know it wasn't really you know it wasn't really spoken about to be honest
1: would he have taken an interest in what was going on with the younger Irish lads around?
0: Um, yeah well he, he he took an interest in the in the younger lads yeah I, I was the only Irish lad there at the time so it was uh, well it was uh, John O'Shea was he was in the first team when I when I went there so um, yeah he'd always took an interest in in what was going on around the club you know he, he was club captain and um, you know he was driving standards around the training ground so yeah he'd always, he'd always keep a close eye on, on, on what was going on
1: Just to finish up on, on this season then obviously at the end of the season as it sort of petered out from a first team point of view there were a lot of opportunities for probably some of those guys you were playing with and some of them you were coaching uh, Hannibal obviously came on in the game against Liverpool and uh, made quite the impression those three or four players who got opportunities and it's even uh, Charlie Savage was on the bench on the last day of the season uh, out of those guys how many of them do you think next season Eric Ten Hag will integrate into his squad do you think that quite a few of them have an opportunity to make it
0: Um. yeah it depends on what they want to do to be honest with you you know it's that's a that's, uh... One of the things that I try and tell them is when you when you go up there, you have to make an impact. You have to sort of leave, leave your mark. And um, you know, I know Hannibal left his mark when he came on. <laughs> Liverpool. Um, How was your doing? They, was it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There were some of the um, the tricks of the trade, maybe, and um, the dark the dark arts. Um, no, but they've got to. You know, when they go training now with the with the new first team manager, they've got a, They've got to show that they want it. You know, sometimes I feel as if young lads they just they can just go up to the first team and they can pass them, by So um, you know, they just got to show that real desire that they that they want to make an impression and they're they're hungry to to succeed. Because you see you see a great example of that this season is Anthony elanga He went up there and supposedly in training he was at it every single day, and then in games he was at it, and he he stayed there. You know, you don't want to be going up to the first team, having one or two training sessions, then coming back down and you know, sort of floating in between, sort of no man's land. You've got to you've got to go up make an impression and, and really try and impress the manager. I
1: guess it's a bit of a shock to the system for a lot of those guys when they do go up to the first team because when they're playing age grade football, they've always been the best. From a very young age. Even when they go to Manchester United at under 16s under 18s they're probably still in the pick of the bunch of that crew so to go to the first team and just be another player even for their ego to get used to that is is something that uh, probably is a bit of a shock
0: yeah yeah the, the the jump up is is very very big yeah considering you know um going into Manchester United's first team um maybe not this season but you know you're going into one of the the greatest clubs in the world you're going into their their first team it's a it's a hell of a jump you know you think maybe um alone alone might sort of bridge that gap but then um, when they're just going straight up from the 23s into that environment yeah it can be it can be huge and it can be a bit daunting but um that's what i mean you got to show what you're made of you got to have that feeling of like you know i belong here and i'm going to show you that and just by just by running around and and doing everything you can in that training session can sometimes leave an imp- an impression on the manager the manager can can look at you and think you know I I can I can rely on this guy and I might need him um in the future so um it's just yeah it's 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 making making that mark on people have you met Eric ten hag yet uh, No, I've not met him no no he was um I know he was um, sort of in and around the training ground um at the end of the season but uh, no, I've, I've I've not personally met him.
1: In terms of the longer term future on the coaching side, it's obviously something you have a passion about. Is it is it coaching as a route towards management, or do you see yourself being satisfied actually just been on the training ground every day and, and making players better?
0: Um, at at the minute, I'm 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 really enjoying tr- uh, making players better. Um, well, I hope they're getting better, to be honest with you. Or um, I don't know, shouldn't be doing it, but it's. Um, it's been good. I've really enjoyed this season, and I can sort of see, you know, I got, you know, you get that satisfaction of when you're talking to young lads, and then you can see them making improvements on the pitch. You know, it is it is very satisfying. But um, I initially got into it to, um, to to manage. I think would be the the the, uh, the end goal. Um, but do you know what I mean? I just, it's it's such a I think I'm on a bit of a journey now, so I'm just gonna see where it takes me. I, I said when I was when I was playing I, I wish I enjoyed the journey more. So um this time I'm not in a in a big rush. Um I'm gonna try and, you know, listen to my own words and try and enjoy the journey more and try and pick up the experience of, of coaching and being able to be just to be able to take a full session and be confident in doing that and and build up that experience and then hopefully at the end of it then um I could go right. Let's go. I want to. I want to manage a team now and go into the league and uh, start playing for points. But you know, God knows what will happen. We'll 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 see. We'll see how it goes in the next in the next year or so.
1: Yeah, it's gone all right so far, anyways. And it's certainly at a good place to learn, I think. All our football and off the ball is brought to you by Sky, all the football you live in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. Paul McShane is with us. You can get your texts in to 53106. We do want to talk to you as well, Paul, because I know you're on recently enough talking about your club career, about the international side of things through the years and the 33 caps from making the initial breakthrough in 2006 under Steve Staunton. When you think back to that first cap, was it the Czech Republic uh, that you made your debut against? There was a real buzz about you then as a as a young centre-half coming in uh, to a very established group of players. What What's your memories of getting that initial call from Steve Staunton?
0: Yeah. Sorry, say that again, Nathan. Sorry, <laughs> you're back. sorry, sorry. I, yeah, I got logged off there. Sorry no bother,
1: no bother, no bother. I thought he definitely doesn't want to talk about the uh, debut <laughs> under Steve Staunton under any circumstances. Uh, I, I was just saying that when when we look back now to sort of 2006 and you're you know a very young man just starting out in football, there was a you know a real buzz about you coming into the Ireland squad and the future and particularly at the very beginning of the Staunton era of maybe what could develop over. Over time, what what what's your memory of getting that initial call into the squad, and and what it was like to be around Staunton and and some of those more senior players who were there?
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, you know, I, I got the call when I was at when I was at West Brom. I was playing in the I was playing week in week out for West Brom at the time, and and um, um, probably came earlier than expected, to be honest. And um, but I just yeah, I remember when I when I found out I was. Yeah, I was you know I was I was really looking forward to it and and then I got into the squad and you know it was it was there were some great players in the squad and it was representing Ireland so it was uh you know it was always something that I wanted to do and um yeah I was just I was, I was keen as mustard to be honest and I wanted to just get get straight down to business and uh and yeah at the end of that trip it was it was um, Cyprus and Czech Republic and luckily enough I got I got my breakthrough against Czech Republic and um, yeah went to, went pretty well
1: so were you? Were you in the squad for the Cyprus game?
0: Yeah, I was. No, I wasn't. I was. Um, I was in the squad like for the trip, but I wasn't on the bench for the first game. So I was watching from the stands against uh, Cyprus.
1: A bit and, of a baptism um, of fire.
0: Yes. Well, watching it. Yeah, watching it was. Yeah, it was, it was it was. Yeah, it was mad. Um, and then there was. Um, I think Andy O'Brien got injured. Um, there was a few injuries. And then I remember, I remember um, S- uh, Steve Staunton saying to me after the game, saying, "Be ready, be ready for the Czech Republic game." So I was like, "Yeah, well, yeah, let's let's go!" Like, uh, yeah, I nearly pulled me pants at the time, but <laughs> I was like, "I was like, going, yeah, that's sure, let's let, let's go for it." So um, yeah, so I, I sort of knew from that moment that I was going to be playing the, the Czech Republic game. So I was just um, yeah, I was trying not to worry too much. I was just trying to, you know, just. Um, yeah, not think about the game and just train and uh, get ready just get physically and, and uh, mentally ready for it Staunton
1: was you know, such a great great player for Ireland and at club level as well and you know an exceptional defender was he someone who was able to take you aside ahead of that game on the defensive side of things and explain to you what he wanted from you when you were coming on to make your debut
0: no I th- he pretty much left me to it to be honest I think he just said go and do what you do and that was good enough for me to be honest there was not there wasn't too much information where I think I think that can that can happen to young lads I've been in the squad at times where um, people are about to make their debuts and there's you know people are going look do this do that if this is happening here you do this and then I just think that their heads are just full I'm just thinking just leave them be you know what I mean it's too late now in the dressing room five minutes before the game like so it's, um, you know, just let them, you know, bring what they've got to the party and, and, and that's it. So that's what, that's how, that's what happened to me, really. You know, we just sort of um, try to keep me probably, probably relaxed as much as possible. And, um, you know, yeah, it worked for that game.
1: With hindsight, do you look back and like when you think about that time and you would have grown up, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if you remember Italian 90 but would have remembered 94 and you know had very vivid memories of 2002 and the love and the passion that was there for the national side that, like that Cyprus game almost felt like a bit of a turning point in almost a relationship between the fans and the team and the criticism became a bit more vicious at times and like it turned very quickly under Staunton was, was that apparent when it's your first time in the squad but was it apparent that maybe this wasn't what you had expected representing your country to be um
0: yeah well what, yeah it was um, yeah, sometimes it was a bit crazy to be honest but well, my first squad was uh was um was when I think it was was miss Piggy turned up to the training ground and tried to get a picture with the Muppets, you know, at the bus at the team bus, I don't know who who arranged that, but you know that was a bit of a eye opener right and, um, you know, I was like wow this is this is this is intense this but you know i was i just thought like representing ireland was was you know it was it was it was my dream so i didn't try and let that affect me i just wanted to go out there and represent my country and you know every time i'd done that it was a, it was a big honor for me um but yeah look the, the, the criticism that was there was yeah you, def- you definitely noticed it but you know you tried to you tried to sort of block that out and just 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 try and get on with it
1: mm. i'd imagine it's very difficult cl- to Different to club level, and you know I don't want to underestimate how passionate English football fans are at club level. Uh, but when it is Ireland, you know your family are hearing it, your friends are hearing it. They're probably feeding a little bit back to you as well. Do you know what your man said? Uh, was there ever a period where you thought bloody hell, like come on lads, like I'm I'm representing Ireland, I'm I'm doing what every young kid is dreaming of, and I'm just getting getting unnecessary stick?
0: Yeah, that was that's the that's the nature of the beast. Like you know, it's a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing, and when when things don't go as as well as people expect, you know, you're gonna get that criticism. And um, but it's just about trying to block that out and just try and keep keep going. You know, yeah, things would get dripped back to you and stuff. You know, that's just that's just natural thing to happen. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it was we were going out onto the pitch representing the country and trying to do the best for the country um, in every game. So. Um, you couldn't let that bog you down too much. And I, I know that it was the camaraderie in the in the squad was outstanding. And, um, you know, when the, the criticism on the outside was happening, I think, you know, we, we grew stronger together. And, um, you know, there were some great lads that I played with over those years with the Irish team. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what got us through, that camaraderie
1: managers had a lot of trust in you as well. Um, your relationship with trapattoni I think you played the first ever game that trapattoni had. Was it the friendly against Serbia? And you were sort of consistently in and around the squad. The the best period under trapattoni to sort of build up towards the playoff, there was a run of fixtures there where it really felt that that group was coming together and you were a big part of it and Andrews and Whelan had developed something in midfield. Like Duff and Keen are still pretty much at their absolute peak. When you look back on your Ireland career, was that, was that when
0: it felt at its best yeah well yeah there was there was some there was moments in every stage really but that was a really um, good stage of of my Irish career was the I think it was the clean sheets was the record clean sheets that we kept I think it was maybe I don't know nine nine or ten in a row so it was great to be a part of that yeah Um, you know it was great to be a part of like um, the Crow Park games always Mm. sticking me mind those, those first initial games, the, the the first one against Wales, which we won, the one against Slovakia, which we won, and um, that was a good period. Um, and then we, you know, we lost against Czech Republic away, which pretty much um, that was it for for our qualification that year. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the, the Trappatoni years were brilliant. I loved, I loved, um, I loved playing under um, Trappatoni. He was, you know, learned learned quite a lot off him when when he initially uh, first came in, and um, yeah, playing those games and and the run that we were on, it did feel it did feel um, you know felt pretty special to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, what what sort of stuff would Trapattoni talk to you about?
0: Um, I just I used to love when um, he'd randomly show us uh, goals from from like something that would happen in the Premier League. You know, just these little things where um, you know, like um, for example, defenders in a wall that were when a striker would join the wall and what you do and would you stand behind him. It was just like, he would have like a discussion in the, in the meeting room. And it was, you know, I used to love that. I used to learn so much where I'm thinking, right, what's he going to show us this time round? And then it was just, it was, it was just great, great, um, you know, learning, learning from him. You know, when, when it's something different, I always find that, you know, you learn quite a lot because you're not really criticizing yourself or the team. You're criticizing, um, you know, other teams and, and other players and, uh, you know I sort of even at united now I, I I sort of do that with the young lads where I'll pick goals from the premier league or or whatever football's on the telly and we'll sort of talk through um you know sort of have a bit of an open forum on, right so traptony wanted stuff. your opinion yeah like yeah he would he would want, he would sort of he would talk about certain goals that would happen um, whether it was in the premier league or whatever and he'd basically just discuss it or if you disagreed you were, weren't in the squad the next time <laughs> Uh, were you? Oh, yeah, it was good. Were, were you? Were you vocal? No, I'd listen. I was listening. I was listening to him. I was just trying to soak up every word that he said. Um so, yeah, just you know, I, I you know, I really enjoyed my time under under the trap. So, um yeah, you know, his his mentality towards games as well, and um, you know, he, he he was a winner, and you, you sort of you got that passion off him, you got that passion and enthusiasm off him, and I think that ran through the squad.
1: Any criticism that was ever there around Trapattoni was more around the the style of football in an attacking sense. As a defender, though, you mentioned that long run of clean sheets. Like Ireland were as solid as they've been in recent times during the Trapattoni era. As a defender, then, was it was it very simple his instruction, or was there was there a lot to it?
0: No, it was it was, it was pretty simple. It's pretty pretty straightforward. And um, well, it was quite a defensive setup that he'd have. He'd see uh, the the our wide midfielders would, would do a lot of work you know sort of doubling up on the outside and um, we would basically wanted two strikers and the two two midfielders to, to go and win us the game and um, you know we'd have Keith and Glenn sitting there so it was, it was pretty pretty solid shape and uh, on the training ground he you know, always sort of done that that shape and worked on it quite a lot so it was um, you know it wasn't it wasn't um, complicated it was pretty easy pretty easy instruction and um, you know it, wor- it worked for us at the time and you know, I know towards the end it it, it wasn't great, and um, you know it got criticised a lot for the for the for the standard of play. Um, but you know when it was good, it was good. Mm. Um, you know it was it was it was. I learnt a lot off of Trapattoni at the time.
1: Uh, it was probably at its best that night in Paris. Are you uh, are you over Thierry Henry?
0: Um, no, not really. I don't think I could ever be over that to be honest with you. Um, especially the the night that was in it and um, to qualify for the the World Cup and. You know, we were flying. We were flying at the time in, in the game, and um, for something like that to for something like that to knock us out is um, yeah, it's a sickener. Um, especially when you got VAR these days. Every time VAR comes on, I'm thinking, Jesus, if, if only we had that. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's sometimes yeah, it's difficult sometimes um, to even yeah. I don't know. You know, even to talk about that night, or even to to hear his name. Sometimes it's you know, it sort of brings back memories. Um, but yeah, it was a tough one to take.
1: When you watch it back, like, it, are you looking at it going, God, if I'd stepped over here earlier, this might have happened. Like, do you look at it defensively in any way, or do you just think, like, this guy handled the ball? It's a clear and obvious handball. Nobody ever thinks about this passage play again if the referee just makes the right decision and we all move on with our lives.
0: No, I think I think after after every goal that that I've conceded in my career, I always look at myself and. I always think, what could I have done better at that time? Um, but that goal, it was it was just a tricky one because, you know, first of all, he handled it, <laughs> which are not which, it's not expected. <laughs> yeah, which which are not allowed to. If the, if the referee said before the free kick was taken, said, listen, we're 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 going to play Gaelic now for the next five minutes. Maybe I might have done something different, but um, I wasn't expecting him to catch the ball basically twice to keep it in play. Um, so when I look at it. You know, two lads go up for a header. I'm expecting them to miss it, which they did. And then it bounced awkwardly around sort of waist height. And I'm thinking, right, can't really do anything here. If I go to to slash at it, it could end up in the middle of the goal. It could end up anywhere. So it was a difficult one to deal with. And this is all, you know, you're you're talking a a millimeter of a second to to decide all this stuff. And, um, you know, it was going out of play. It was going out of play. So um, he caught the ball. Which are not allowed to, do. so um, yeah, you know, it was it just it was disappointing. It was it was basically from the whole the whole start of it when the 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 um, the playoffs got seeded. That was that was the start of it. You know, it was never seeded before, but there was a few big hitters in the in the playoffs, and um, it felt like UEFA uh, didn't want the big hitters to meet each other, you know, in case they they missed out on the final. So um, there was a bit of a bad taste in, in people's mouths with that, and then we got France who were. Who were very strong at the time, um, and then for for the, you know the handball to happen, which you know was blatantly blatantly obvious what had happened. So um to for that to to knock us out of the of the World Cup was was a really really tough one to take, and yet yeah, it still is to be honest.
1: I'm not surprised that it still is because even though we have spoken about it at length for what 13 years at this stage, like this is your life, this is your career, this is getting to a World Cup finals. Taken away, and like the anger, I still remember the anger. Talking to the players that night, I've never seen anything quite like it. When the realization sunk in amongst the players who were further away as to what had happened, that like that's not something that's ever going to leave you. Like when you're t- talking about your 33 Ireland caps, you know people will look at World Cups and you know you should have been there, you could have been there.
0: Yeah, yeah, we sh- yeah we should have been there just because the performance from the team that night was outstanding. It's probably one of the best Irish performances that I can remember. Um, I remember on the pitch as well, feeling you know, you know, it felt felt great. It felt as if everything was going really well, and um, I felt as if we were we were we were pushing for a winner. And um, so the whole the whole night was you know was going was going brilliantly, until um until until the madness until you know the, the blatant handball. So to be to be snatched to be snatched away from you like that is um, yeah, it's a tough one to take, especially when when you dream of playing in World Cups as a kid and you know it's basically the, the, the pinnacle of, of football is is the World Cup you know you grow up watching it so yeah. for, for it to be taken away from you like that is um, yeah it's a it's a tough one it makes you sick to be honest Like, and this is as
1: I say well over a decade on we're talking about this when when you look back if you were to talk to family friends around that time did it take you a while to really get over it like was it having a did it have a big impact on your life in the days and weeks afterwards
0: um, yeah, I did, yeah, I did. I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a, I can't, I can't say it. but I had a bit of a screw it moment, you know what I mean? It was like, I had a bit of a, you know, I ah, sure, here, this is ridiculous, this this, this is ridiculous. So I had a, I had a bit of a moment where I didn't care anymore, do you know what I mean? It was like, but I think it worked for me quite well, where I'd sort of, you know, I'd sort of relaxed. I was thinking,
1: was that, with, Was know. that with football?
0: Was- um I don't know, yeah, I don't know, it was like, it was so disappointing, it was so disappointing and the the aftermath after it as well, I was just like, ah, here, um, this is ridiculous, so I sort of just, um, I don't know, had a bit of an effort moment, you know what I mean, I can't say it obviously, but I had a bit of an effort moment yeah. where I was just like, let's just crack on here. What's the point? Yeah, let's just, you know, just, just give everything that I've got, whatever happens, happens, you know, I was trying to control what I can control and obviously this isn't this is something that I couldn't control. So um it was yeah, it was yeah. I don't know. It was um yeah, but it was a tough it was a tough um period, yeah. It was tough it was tough one to, to take. And um yeah, still still yeah, still still sort of it's still makes you feel sick, like, you know, but but that's that's <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, as they say on Love Island. Effort, as you say. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, what could have been. Uh, I need to take a quick break. Stick with us for a few minutes. There's a couple of other things I want to run through, which, but we do need to take a quick break. Paul McShane's. What is five 53106, the text number?
0: You just said this right? I have to take out Ireland. I another the hundred-year candidate I, I, I <laughs> you what said what saying, that. What I'm saying
1: is I'd have to take out. Okay, I take out Conor Reelin and Conor Reelin. I, have to be, that's it. I quit. Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now welcome back Thursday's football show Nathan with you this evening Northern Ireland beaten 1-0 by Greece in League C of the Nations League remember live commentary of Armenia against the Republic of Ireland on Saturday at 2 o'clock here on Off the Ball uh, Paul McShane has been with us on the football show tonight we've just been chatting about a theory of all people yet again uh, Paul you did get to go to a major finals uh, Euro 2012 uh, you were in the squad under Giovanni Trapattoni. Uh somewhat strange circumstances at the time I was just reading back over it because I, I remember the Kevin Foley situation. Uh, what's your memory of how all that played out? Because Trapattoni had named his 23-man squad, you weren't in it. There was some injury doubts. He brought you in, and it just seemed with the Foley situation that he didn't handle it particularly well. Almost just left it too late to make a decision.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah another mad another mad situation. That um, I remember at the time I was sort of going through a bit of a period, a hole where. Um, we got relegated from the Premier League and uh, they just wanted a whole sort of new squad and yeah, I went on loan I went on loan to to Crystal Palace and that's the second year we were relegated this sounds this sounds okay in my mind um, so bear with me Um so yeah we got relegated and basically the club wanted to just get rid of everyone so I was sort of in that bracket and um, but I wanted to stay so I had to go out on loan I went on loan to um Crystal Palace to try and play as much football as I could to, to get in that Euro squad because I knew it was on the horizon so I went there to try and play as many games as I could and then towards the end of my time there I'd I done my hamstring um, so I basically I thought that was it I thought that was my chance for the Euros out the window um, and so but I basically just I, I stuck with it. I rehabbed myself basically because I didn't really want it to to be known that I was you know really struggling. I tried to play it down that I was uh, that was actually I was okay, but it was you know it was it was it was bad enough. So I was doing a bit of rehab myself, and um, you know the squad got the squad got named, and I was on the standby list. Um, disappointed with that, but you know totally under could understand uh, the decisions behind it. So I just kept myself fit, and um, just for that for that chance that I might be called in. So I got myself fit again, rehab my hamstring. Um, and then I knew I was sort of ready to go in, even though I wasn't really, I wasn't really like um, going mad. You know I me, mean? I wasn't training every day. I wasn't like, I wasn't um, driving myself crazy because I knew if I was doing that and I didn't get picked, I'd be really, really disappointed. So mm-hmm. I just kept taking over and, you know, I sort of had right, I'm not in the squad anything else is, is, is a bonus so but I was fit hamstring was fine so then then I got the I got the phone call and um, you know I was, re- I was I was ready to go and I got I got the phone call I think on the on the Wednesday I think we were playing Bosnia on the on the Friday maybe I don't I've got I probably got the days wrong there but it was a quick quick turnaround um, when we played Bosnia so you know still I just I, I, I went into the squad trained was very sort of relaxed about it and then the bosnia game was a game where I was like right okay I mightn't be at a match fitness here but I've got nothing to lose so um yeah just went for it played right back and um had a had a really good game and then um yeah then I then I got brought I got brought into the the, pre, the, not the pre-season the, the pre-tournament camp in Italy and um, you know I, I trained well played a, played a game or two out there um, done pretty well in the games but the, the thing is the final 23 squad hadn't actually been named so I think that was that was a mistake that maybe Trapatoni made at the time where he named 23 players and people on standby when the squad didn't actually have to be announced until you know four weeks mm. time so I think that's when that's where the the confusion was and probably if he looks back probably yeah he wished he didn't actually name a 20 final 23 um, at the time he did, but you know I went in, and then it came to naming, and, and I and I was in, and and Kevin Foley was out, and you know it was it was brilliant. Like I was I was absolutely delighted, but at the same time I was abs- I was devastated for Kev, because you know he, he's a, he's a, he's a friend of mine. I've I've grown up playing with him in the underage, and uh, he's a, he's a great lad, and you know I think he'd you know he'd he'd sort it out tickets for his family and stuff for a game so you know it was that's yeah, tough it was
1: isn't it good... like I know football is a you know by it's nature a sport has to be ruthless and you're always looking to take somebody's place and to get in there but for him having been named in the 23 family overjoyed going uh, you know I think he was very strong afterwards said he felt betrayed by what had happened Like it's, it's not your fault you did nothing wrong here but it's a geez, it's a difficult position to find
0: yourself in yeah it is yeah I was devastated I was devastated for him you know I spoke to him afterwards and I was like look you know, you know, it's 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 you know, apologise for it. It's absolutely, it's it's shocking, and um, but you know, I wanted to go to the Euros as well, you know, and you know, I felt as if I, I should I should have been there, and um, so yeah, I just done everything I could to be in the squad, and um, you know, I was I was the lucky one that got chosen, but I was absolutely good for Kev. I was absolutely good for him. Um, you know, it was a terrible way to to go out with the squad, and as I said, it was the it was the naming of the twenty the, the final twenty three. You know, which was the which was the the big confusion. You know, we shouldn't have named the 23 until it it actually had to be confirmed. So. Um you know, I got that little bit of luck and um, got the opportunity, and I, I, I grabbed it with both hands at the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're out of time, unfortunately. I feel like there's
0: a full football show in Euro 2012 and
1: that team hotel and uh, the carnage that went on around it uh, and the actual games themselves. Uh, we might try and check image again over the course of the summer, Paul, but uh, listen, congrats on the uh, official retirement and uh, very best of luck with the coaching uh, as well at Manchester United. We'll be keeping a close eye on how that goes for you. Thanks a lot for joining us. Okay.
0: Cheers, Nathan. Thank you. Uh,
1: Paul McShane there uh, with us on the football show. Lots of good stories from Paul. We'll definitely check in with him again over uh, the next couple of months. As I say, Northern Ireland beaten tonight. Uh, Ireland in Yerevan. That's live here and off the ball against Armenia on Saturday.